Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse podcast, Explosions and Fire. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. And today on the podcast, we're talking to Derek and Brian from Hero Journey Club. Welcome to our show, gentlemen. Thanks. Wonderful to be here. Excited. Thank you for having us. Of course. So first off, please just introduce the Hero Journey Club and how the organization came to be. So I'm Brian. I'm the CEO and co-founder at Hero Journey Club. Most of my background has been in the world of digital health. So I worked on one of the first, actually the first mobile apps in the iPhone app store for medical use. And then since then, I've worked on everything from Alzheimer's uh, detection to building a cancer AI company to working in the world of uh, opioid uh, use disorder and support people that you're getting off of heroin and meth addiction. And so uh, it's been a fun ride working the Hero Training Club and just trying to find ways to, to humanize the care experience. I'm Derek. I'm the clinical officer and a clinical psychologist by training. Like Brian, I've been in the digital health sector for a long time, primarily on the mental health side. The reason for that, there's lots of reasons for that, but maybe the main one is that I grew up in a very rural area and I had family, friends, a lot of mental health concerns, impossible to find any kind of support where I grew up. And I think that planted a seed that then came to fruition much later in my life. You know, when you're young, you're not thinking about like, how do I solve this mental health problem in this little town? You're thinking about, you know, (laughs) rocks and snakes and things like that. I grew up in Arizona, so lots of snakes and found my way into the industry. And it's been a lot of fun to try to figure out how can technology and now video games in particular aid the mental health process, help bring us together as humans and uh, find our way towards where we want to be. That's great. So, you know, now that we have met you, tell us a little bit about Hero Journey Club and how that came to be. Yeah, for sure. So here at Journey Club, uh, I guess I'll describe what we do, and I can go into the, the origin story and how we got here, because there was a little bit of a, a meandering path to get here. <laughs> but you know, here at Journey Club provides mental health support inside of video games like Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, Minecraft, that are guided by we call Journey Guides, who are masters and doctorate level uh, therapists who are supporting groups of five people at a time inside of the games. Generally, how it works is people will find us through either the word of mouth or through our memes, and they will sign up, and we will match them to a group of 45 people based on their games they play, the life stage, their age, which challenges that they want to focus on, um, any constraints that they need in terms of the group or the, the journey guide. Then we will match them to a private server and private channel in Discord where they are anonymous, and they have access to the the guy as well as their group members, and they meet for an hour and a half each week uh, inside these games. Uh, while we do meet inside the games, most of the focus is on the mental health support. Uh, so if any people use the games, that's a way to kind of ease into mental health. It's a way to make it less intimidating. It's a way to kind of house you're going to do while people are talking. But you know, we are very much focused on helping people find that path towards healing. And so, and so that coupled with the, the group-based model makes it so that people have a way to, to not just grow, but also grow alongside other folks who are also uh, in their own process of healing, uh, which we'll go into in a little bit. The whole premise of Kind of Drink Club started actually very personally. So I grew up playing games. You could say that games were kind of the thing that raised me and my family. And so it was a thing that we might see when we were really stressed and like needed support. And this really came to a head during the pandemic when one of my close family members struggled with 
plan for suicide. And it was the point of the pandemic where no one was taking care of patients. And he was in a part of rural Texas who grew up where there were no, no therapists for 100 miles that would support him. And that's even if he could afford it. So like sessions, as you know, for therapy, traditionally are 150 to $200 a session out of pocket. And the reality is that most people just can't afford that. Uh, it's mostly uh, for folks who have the means and the education to be able to pursue it. And so here at Drink Club, after spending a lot of time in the world of mental health, started with some pretty simple questions. Like, could we take therapy out of the clinic and into spaces where people already spend time? And could we use community as a way to be able to support people in their journey to get started uh, who otherwise don't know where to go? And provide it in a way that is more accessible, it's more scalable, it's more affordable. And so we're really proud that we work really hard to provide services that are both rewarding to the therapists who work with us, but also are affordable to most people. And so it's currently costs $30 per session for a 90 minute session each week. So the Christian model, you cancel at any time you want. There's no pressure at all. And that's more affordable than even the best insurance pocket co-pays. And right now we're, we're for the holidays since it is such a tough time for many people, we are doing a half off that month special. And so for folks who want to try mental health support for a while, we'll be able to Again, our mission is to make sure people have access to the support they need and realize that they're not alone, they're not broken, and that you know, we're just working on our own hero's journey. I love that, um, that yeah. acknowledgement of how hard the holidays are. <laughs> just on a personal level, it's like, yes, this is probably the hardest time for a lot of people. So that's really nice to hear. For sure. And I think you had a question about like the group-based model and the not being alone. Happy to dive into that, but also want to make sure I, it's more fun than it's conversational. So that's it. Any questions uh, for me about kind of anything I've shared or kind of what we've what we've been doing so far? Happy to dive into any of that would be helpful. I just have two things that I just wanted to highlight that that were really meaningful to me in what you said. First, I I did work in healthcare and I know in, in Denver and I know very specifically about the mental health desert situation that we get in a lot of places. And even though I worked in a medical clinic, that was the fundamental challenge that we all faced was when we would meet people who had physical conditions and chronic conditions, often we found that the, their mental well-being was the root of the problem. And second, it, in my mind, I've always think I've always thought of these two things as diametrically opposed, gaming and mental health. Almost as if gaming is a way to not to avoid your mental health and something that's historically been looked down upon, especially from my childhood days where, you know, it was just deemed as a monumental waste of time. So I think it's a really brilliant and really, I don't know, beautiful union of things to address some really fundamental issues. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And, and yeah, having spent a lot of time in the world of care delivery as well, mental health is such an interesting challenge and I mean, working with folks and therapists has even more expertise here as the actual clinician and practicing psychologists but you know one of the things that we talk a lot about in mental health is this this really overwhelming this overwhelming lack of support that we have like there we really do not have enough therapists for everybody that needs mental health support and we're in the worst mental health crisis that we've ever seen before and it's exacerbated by this longest epidemic that we just don't talk about and, and for a while, I was working at a telemedicine company based in Portland that was helping people get access to medication-assisted therapy for opioid use. And you just seeing that came up a lot in that work. Just that we, we too often in, in healthcare talk about why the addiction, but we never ask why the pain. And kind of going mm-hmm. to the root of why, why are we in the worst mental health uh, crisis we've ever seen? 
and you know that 40 percent of people have some kind of diagnosis illness you gotta look at that and say like, is it really a biological issue you know, almost half of us are feeling this way and what if the reality is what if the the yeah, what the reality is that depression anxiety for many folks which is not moderate is actually an expected and uh, reasonable response to living in society that just devalues us as humans and instead of looking at people as machines with imbalances in their dopamine and their serotonin uh, which again, there are some people who absolutely please go see a psychologist please go see a psychiatrist you want everybody the care they need but for the vast majority of people that we talk to a lot of it is pretty normal if you're anxious because you lost your job and there are no prospects in your talent and you're struggling for the room table is that really a biological problem or is it something that you know we should we should give you support for and so we start from the perspective of assuming that that people are not broken that they're not alone and that perhaps depression anxiety again mild model depression anxiety that's subclinical is actually a form of grief for the lives that we wish we could live in just hands because we work for these corporations that take advantage of us to buy things on amazon we don't need to impress people with social media that we don't like and we're we're miserable and you know we can let me as adults look at that nod but in your in your teens in your 20s a lot of that pain gets turned to any worse and we see the three times higher rates of drug abuse, four times higher rates of suicidality than any other generation before. And the sad part is that TikTok, Discord, Roblox, these are the places where, you know, these young people get the care they need because, you know, mental health was developed in the 50s and 80s before the internet even existed. And so, gosh, not only is it a big problem, but holy cow, there really is, there are not enough solutions to meet people where they really are. And instead of telling people that there's something wrong with them, how do you start with the empathy to, to see them as humans who are just working on their own journey and perhaps are navigating a very reasonable traumatic response all around them? And so, so that's kind of like the, the kind of the, the, the kind of the heart of how I, the, the community part of it started. Yeah, and I'm there to talk more about the gaming part. Of it. That's that's brand important. Well, yeah. Before I get into the gaming part too much, I uh, there's something Brian said. Brian Infernal Schoolhouse. We it's a shame my name isn't Aaron. <laughs> we just really have a good time trying to figure out which Aaron and which Brian. Our most confusing about. podcast ever. Right. <laughs> but I, I love the point about, you know, games being bad for us. And you see this with any new technology, right? When TV came out, everybody was like, oh, God, we're going to be zombies. My favorite example is actually writing around when letter, when letter writing became a thing. And this was, I don't know, hundreds of years ago. And there was this big worry that like, well, if we only write letters to each other, then we'll never actually get together and the fabric of society will fall apart, you know? <laughs> so if we think video games are dangerous, imagine a time when just writing a letter to somebody was dangerous instead of traveling, you know, days and days by horseback to go see them. So we're always afraid of new things. And maybe there's something good in that, but... Certainly, if you look at the the research on video games, the first 10 years were dominated by folks trying to find ill effects. They increased violence, they increased depression, anxiety. And amazingly, in those 10 years, there are a couple studies with very weak associations to certain negative outcomes. But when, when the tide started to shift is when somebody asks the question, well, what if games are a coping mechanism for people who are already struggling? In other words, what if we reverse the causality? It's not that games are causing the problems, but that games like food, like drugs, like skydiving, you know, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever these outlets are, maybe these are being caused by a problem that's already there. And now there's lots of data to suggest that whenever there is problematic gaming, one, 
the rates of problematic gaming are quite low. And two, for the individuals who do engage with games, you know, to an excessive degree, it's usually because they're struggling with something first and the games are a way to distract themselves from that. And then wonderfully around 2010, the research has shifted to like, okay, well now let's ask the question. Now that it seems like this isn't a horrible, you know, boogeyman that's coming to us through our PS5, let's flip the question and see, can games be good for us? And now there's lots and lots of data to suggest that games enhance cognitive capacities, can be good for emotion regulation, can enhance social connection. You know, Aaron, you mentioned earlier in the pre-call around Stardew Valley helping to get you through the pandemic. And now there's lots of data to suggest that these multiplayer games in particular help to bring us together. So it's, it's a really exciting time to be exploring opportunities to leverage the fun of video games and they're super fun we love them and and also tabletop games you know there's a, a lot of movement around dungeons and dragons as a therapeutic medium so it's a it's a great time to be exploring this and to to share this resource with people yeah i'm glad you mentioned the dungeons and dragons because there's this article that i'm kind of obsessed with and it's called playing dnd can save your life and I've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast, but this is just sort of like the centerpiece of my passion around this. And there's this, this paragraph that, that just really hit me hard. And they're referring to a, a study from Harvard. And the study found that the quality of relationships with others mattered more towards their happiness and health than just about any other factor. While we often seek money, fame, and career achievement as lifelong goals, our relationships have the biggest effect on our happiness and health. On the flip side, loneliness kills. Being frequently lonely can be as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And like that is like such an anchor point for me. And the whole article, it's about D&D specifically, but the author it talks about how literally it saved his life. And I think it's that that camaraderie and that togetherness that for me is the centerpiece of our hobby as tabletop role players, but also gamers in general. And I think that's why your tagline, you're not alone, it just hits so hard. And I think it's so beautiful and, and such like a, eloquent way of describing what we're trying to do here. I love that. And, uh, and thank you for all the amazing work that you do in creating those those third spaces for connection. It's, it's something that we've seen severely lacking uh, in, in our world, our society today. And in particular, since now we've shifted most of our interactions to these digital spaces, we don't have, like, these spaces weren't created for us to be kind of, they're created to get us excited to have dopamine freshness to go and, and play more games and, and, and open up more loot boxes. They were intended to be community centers, and yet we see a decline uh, in, in malls and coffee shops and church groups and, and you know, in community centers. And so here, Joint Club started actually as a, as a, attempt at adjusting loneliness as a root cause of mental illness and it ended up at this world of gaming but i think what you're describing is something that a lot of us feel like as animals we are we're connected by nature and yet we are, we are now in this world that's in in so deeply individualistic and so deeply rooted in consumerism and so this this machination of kind of our lives it's really hard to separate from that so by the time you you don't have time to catch up with someone and schedule a catch up and do all the things you're so exhausted. It's you know, it's really hard to carve that space. And I think the work that you guys are doing, uh, and and you see little pockets of these communities crop up all over the place in barbershops in Harlem and and like Bible study groups and you know and yoga studios that people are finding those ways to to build community and connection. And 
and those things heal. As you describe, loneliness is worse than smoking pack cigarettes today. It's probably worse than uh, many of our major diseases that we've kind of laid out, or at least is a huge comorbidity and a huge factor in, in their like, mortality rates. Um, and how do you start addressing these these deep medical issues that have fundamentally these social underpinnings in them? You mentioned Bible study. I think we're sort of like dragon study. Scroll study. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to get us in the mainstream here. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that I've mentioned it before in our podcast, but you know, it's very similar to what I kind of went through, especially as a as a team leader through COVID, was keeping people connected, especially while remote. And so they they actually kind of reached out for me to knowing that I was a game master to start running for them. And it did allow that uh, those connection points to happen. But then also the same thing with my friends who were kind of interspersed throughout the United States. And they found out about that also. And so then we started using a virtual tabletop and then having those abilities to get together. I mean, it turned into... I, I would say one of the more richer experiences I think I've ever had in it where people were doing like Secret Santa and having a weekly meetup just so that we could have that sort of social connection. And, you know, when we heard about Hero Journey Club, it's like, this is great. I mean, this is like the same sort of stuff that we love doing and and finding a way to make it so that people who need help can get the help that they, they, they sorely deserve. So, Yeah. Yeah. And that, that destigmatization point, I think, is big, too. Aaron and I have explored this a lot. Um, the idea of that our hobbies like somehow not legitimate or even uh, expressly in D&D satanic, like, you know, like all the things that, that make people scared of it or suspicious of it. And to me, the, the secret squishy center of our hobby is it's actually just people seeking a connection and learning to use their voices together, <laughs> you know, and, and Derek, you're talking about it too. It's like, does it make you that way? Or is it a place where people can gather who are that way and who are seeking something and then finding something together, which I think is really cool. For sure. You know, the thing I might add that's so powerful about D and D and other kinds of tabletop role-playing games is there's a vulnerability piece there as well. Like imagine you're getting together with other folks and you're pouring your innermost precious thoughts, your fantasies out into public with other people. You know, one of my one of my favorite studies shows that just putting people together doesn't reduce loneliness and sometimes can make it worse. We've all had this experience, right? You go to a party, uh, you always yeah. have a party with somebody else, right? Because if you go alone and nobody talks to you, you leave feeling much worse had you not yep. gone at all. And I think what's amazing about D&D and, and games in general is it's a way to come together, but to also come together and share these precious parts of ourselves with each other and to have it, but to have it in a contained kind of space as well. And I think games provide a nice container where fantasies can safely go. And we find this in our discord communities as well. It's the same kind of safe container where folks can vulnerably share what's really going on with them. And that's what helps to undo the aloneness, but it's so powerful. Mm. Yeah, it's also a place for us to share our worst English accents with each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of my it. my healing journey. I love it. And, and I think one thing also, just to tag on to what Derek just said, and, and kind of uh, Brian, what you were getting to around these new worlds that you get to create together. Uh, it's interesting. It's both in just a social context, but also in a chemical context. There are a lot of interesting cases that we see that in the normal practice of supporting someone, 
you may categorize as an illness or categorize as something that's crisis prone. But in the world of self clinical sport, meaning people who are not quite at the stage yet where they should be, you know, being diagnosed and treated by a clinician or have like medication intervention, there are a lot of like, things that uh, that have interesting room to explore that we, in some ways, have stigmatized, right? And so beyond just like CPI mental support, for example, we have a lot of people come in who identify, or not a lot, but a significant portion of people who identify as systems, who, who are saying that I, in my head, have four or five different alters um, that come up, which, you know, to a, a private psychologist would be like, well, that may be the foundations of different, like the social identity, it could be a bunch of other things, or it could be a person who's saying, I wish I could manifest these parts of myself or this, mm. this kind of characters in my own life. Or yeah. similarly, we have a lot of people who come in who are certain who have had suicidal thoughts or ideation, and if it's not quite like super secret crisis driven, you know, one thing that you could interpret is that, well, one question you could ask is, well, what other life would you like to live? If not this one, which other one would you like to live? And in some ways, the, the constructs of DNT and consciousness gaming give you a vehicle to be able to, in some ways, advocate even more for yourself and the person you want to be. And we see this in the groups. For example, some people find it's easier to process their trauma and their pain by hearing someone else who lives all the way across the country going through similar things say, man, like when my my wife wants me to go do dishes, I just cannot get myself to do it. And someone says, well, have you tried doing a diet roll and like make it a game, make it fun. And finally have an unlock. It's like, okay, it's not me being lazy. I just needed a different way to approach it. And you're feeling for the first time, wow, like it's not, I'm not broken. It's nothing wrong with me. And even more than that, how do you then work towards those goals. And so one of the, you know, the reason why we call it Hero Journey Club is a, is a nod to Joseph Campbell's work and the hero's journey. And, and the idea that you know, this, this writer took all of these different mythologies from all these different cultures and, and noticed that there's a pattern in all of them. And there's this kind of like arc that all these heroes have to go through. And similarly for us, what if we're all just our own heroes, our own journey? So you're not an addict, you're a demon hunter, by the be you know, you're mm-hmm. this anxiety, you're a wizard of transforming those skills into like yeah. those 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 thoughts into spells. And how do you empower people with a sense of agency and say, and just like an RPG character levels up on strength, your speed, dexterity, you're working with groundedness and resilience. And so all the amazing work that Derek and the clinical team have done is like also taking these principles and, and giving people that sense of hope. And like it's not you going to someone and, and saying, Doctor, tell me what's wrong with me, tell me how to fix me, what's what's happening. But say like, well, where do you want to go? How do we support you on that journey? And um, I think DMV is a phenomenal vehicle for, for that kind of exploration, which again, it's not for everybody. It's a huge caveat. We're self-clinical. Please get the ice, like the care you need from the, the professionals you need. But we exist to help people set routes to those paths when we get care. And of course, all of our patients are masters, doctor folks, because we want to make sure it's safe. But it's just another another tool in the toolbox. Yeah, this is the, the kind of connection that we provide is something that we help to that's great. So for our listeners who this is jiving with, what do they need to do to get started? Sure. So they can go to our website at herojoinclub.com. It's a pretty quick time process. There's no commitment. So if you decide at any point it's not for you, just let us know. We'll cancel your account for you. Just know like the subscription is uh, kind of as you go. And uh, for the first month, we have a 50% off discount. And so for anybody who wants to try it in the next few weeks, you're welcome to try it. Welcome to share with your friends. And and then we'll manage you within the, the first week or so to a group that you can try out. Let us know what you think. And then and we'll tailor that group to the games that you play, the life stage, the age, you're in, the mental health challenge you're working on. But we try to make it as easy as possible to get started. That's great. 
The only other thing you need to do that I would add to that is accept that it's okay to have fun and heal at the same time. I think there's, I think there's a lot of resistance in our culture. It goes back to something that Brian, I'm just going to say Brian and attribute it to both of you. Something that Brian said around, you know, we, we have the suspicion of our hobbies that like, oh, hobbies are a wait. You're either at, you're either at work contributing to society or you're at home wasting your time, you know, and I won't, I won't suggest whose voice that was, I was doing right there. But, and I think, you know, I hope that Hero Journey Club's an opportunity to suggest to our culture that you can have fun and heal at the same time. It, see, it, it seems almost too good to be true, which isn't to say that, of course, there's going to be dark moments, there's going to be hard times, and our journey guides are prepared and ready to guide and contain that. But there's also a lot of fun in the connection and meeting people. You know, we, it's, it's very important to us that people find their people at Hero Journey Club. And we see that happen so often with our journeyers where somebody's like, I just know there's nobody else in the world that's any anything like me. And then they find a couple people at Hero Journey Club and they just can't believe, you know, somebody in Alaska finds somebody in Texas that uh, they have a lot in common. And it's so fun to see that take place. Amazing. So, gentlemen, last question for you. What should we have asked that we didn't? Or what else would you like to talk about? Well, I'll add like a shameless plugs we we also like everybody else in mental health do need more therapists and more connections because there's just not enough of them out there to provide support so if there are any listeners who are therapists and master's doctorate in counseling or psychology or marriage family therapy we'd love to talk to you and and Derek is an amazing uh, clinical leader and it's really nice and then on the flip side as well you know for folks who are uh, listening to this we're who are wondering whether this goes natural or in the gaming world we're also adding as much as we can to the clinical literature and uh, a lot of the time it's all so Derek's wonderful work and insight but partnering with a lot of game studios as well as academic institutions to push forward the science and the clinical process on what does it mean to deliver care in these virtual spaces in evidence-based and rigorous way so our early studies have been really really promising in terms of clinical impact upon standard uh, measures and on top of that you know most of our members 70 percent of them coming from marginalized communities they're from rural areas that don't have conditions from uh, marginalized communities of color people who are neurodivergent who are autistic have ADHD folks who have gone through uh, significant trauma and otherwise don't have a voice to their healthcare system and so if you're listening to this and hearing like well like it may not be me you'd be surprised there are a lot of people out there who are looking for support and, uh, and we pride ourselves in being a safe space for as many of those folks who need it as you can and at the same time hopefully taking the learnings you have and giving it back to other clinicians who want to deliver care in a, in a central way. So I think a suggestion that I'll make is for your hiring page, you could just say, come work for us. Derek is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> if that'll sell it, we should try it. Um, it's worth a shot. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what's the worst that could happen? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to lean into something that Brian mentioned, like one of the things that's also exciting about Hero Journey Club is we're trying new things. I like to think that, you know, there's a there's a high elf mage researcher inside of me that's like chaotic good. I think it's chaotic good. Other people in the research field might think it's chaotic evil, um, but I, I think it's chaotic good where we want to try new things. 
And then we're going to gather data on them and see how they work. And there's there's so much to try from, from D&D groups, which we're going to be rolling out next year, and also integrating what happens in D&D to some of the other events on the platform. You can like get items from the platform that you can then bring into the game. We have like the different groups that do D&D meet together and they like trade and barter items with each other, not, you know, quest required items, but the non-quest required items they can barter with each other. So we're so there's almost this little D and D marketplace that's kind of starting to create itself on the platform. You know, Brian here, Journey Club Brian also referred to opportunities to learn skills that are good for you, but then baked into a gaming theme to you know have a little fun with it. We're starting couples groups. We have all kinds of things going on. So we're going to try lots of different things and and then study them and see how well they work. And as Brian mentioned, hopefully contribute to the broader knowledge base around around this. That's really cool. Well, Aaron and I will obviously be very interested in the, uh, the D&D stuff that you have going because <laughs> that's just uh, really exciting for us to hear about. Yeah. And I guess like the abnormal twist, I, I mean, you guys are such... And also deeply embedded in this world, and Brian and Aaron, like, is there anything you wish we would, we should know about the world of D and D that we should apply to, like, our program or model? Like, anything that you wish you could like give to everybody to experience or to like let people know as they are embarking on their their healing journey. And we very much do see the work that you do as an adjunct adjacent to mental wellness and support because it's building a sense of connection, community. So I'm sure you see a lot of similar dynamics that lead to people feeling whole and feeling supported. So is there anything that we should be learning uh, from what you've seen and how we should apply it to folks who are on their journey? What a cool uh, question. Aaron, you got to go first on this one. Yeah. So I would say a big part of it is, I think, removing the stigma like Brian was mentioning earlier. I think there are a lot of people who have never really gone down this path before because of some sort of weird social blockage they have in there that's been constructed a long time ago. But I, I find that when people do take that chance and get that encouragement to give it a try, they, they can find out that it's it's either not for them and that's okay, or it's actually amazing and they're, they're glad that they started. And then they can now open those doors of vulnerability and, uh, you know, creative constructive processes and, and things that they wouldn't normally do because there is that sort of blockage there. I think that we are in a great moment in time where a lot of that has been removed, especially from, you know, popular, you know, culture media that's been going out or just in general, how we're kind of changing our mindset as a society. But I think that's a big part of it. And I think also the same thing I've mentioned to Brian before in a podcast is if you can try and encourage people to play against type, to get them to put themselves into somebody else's shoes, and that way they can understand better empathy, I think, and understanding of how to interact both in D&D and the real world. Yeah, Aaron's still trying to get me to play a paladin. He's like, enough with the rogues. You need to play a paladin. <laughs> My answer, and and maybe Derek, I'm just thinking about your sort of like data-driven mind, is there is something incredibly cathartic about role-playing, and I can't quite put the words to it, but I'll give you an example. There's a woman in a group that I played with, and she was like kind of your your typical soccer mom. She was very reserved and her daughter was into the hobby. And so she just wanted to try it. And so she just sought it out and she came with the help of her daughter. She came with her character sheet and she was Morris, the barbarian and Morris kicked every door down and was so uh, aggressive. And it was amazing to see the difference between this really reserved woman and the, 
power and thrill that she got from being a barbarian who was almost intentionally stupid and reckless. And I don't, and it, it was just so cool to be at that table with her while she experienced that. And I know that, and I've heard that there's a lot of instances where people who've experienced PTSD and other things, when you don't, when it's has, no, so if it's me, it, it has nothing to do with Brian. It has to do with Tommen's decision to do the thing in the dungeon. You know what I mean? And there's that sort of like dissonance that allows you to create this little space where you can do something and play around with something and make these sort of, I'm making shit up, but like neural connections or something that then can be applied to yourself, maybe upon reflection. And that's some of the data, like the juiciest data points that I'm really interested in because I know it in my heart that it's real and I know that it can happen, but I just don't know where to, how to capture it or measure it. You, do you know what I mean? So like, that's something that I'm just really interested in. And I think are, is some of the most magical components of, of the tabletop role-playing space. I think also just to tie that to just the insight you, you had, it's, uh, it reminds me actually, I mean, Derek, you know, it's just my idea. Uh, Richard Schwartz is working in internal family systems in the world of like uh, marriage family therapy, where, you know, one, one of the tools that we've had, uh, we sometimes teach people is how to label the different voices in your head. Like, so if you're feeling like anxious, you feel like, like a nagging voice, how do you give that voice like a character and, and you give them space to say, say what you say, thank them. And then, and it recognize kind of like the Disney movie inside out, like you should acknowledge that there are different parts of you, different different voices that I have that have different interests in life. And similarly, like, maybe in this case, like, you know, in a real world situation, like in a, in a particular context, how do you channel the paladin? How do you channel the barbarian? Like maybe it's time to like, in some cases, like anger is important. It, it's a way for you to, to, to what vouch for yourself. And it's a way to kind of, like, maybe it's okay to like give it that space. Process. So again, I'm, I'm speaking to this from a very colloquial sense and like, there's a whole bunch more around it and, and stuff, but it just reminded you describing the cathartic process of being a role play. In some sense, it, it's yeah, how do you give that to people as a toolbox to then again channel the different worldviews and seems kind of like empathy, as yeah, I'm talking about. Um, and, and Derek, please correct me if that was politically inaccurate. Please hop in and, and uh, make sure it's I didn't see his eyebrow go up at any That's point right. during that, so I think you're Every okay. Everything I've heard today is clinically inaccurate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Better fix that in post. Um, no. I, you know, we're, we're, we're working on a volume with Oxford University Press, which is designed to try to get at what you're talking about, Aaron and Brian, which what are the mechanisms and how can we, sorry, this is going to get a little, I don't, I don't want to get off too much, but, and how can we measure them? So Aaron, you talked about this, this importance of playing against type. And the perspective shifting that that brings. I admit, when when I was younger, I loved to play. I was always playing a half orc barbarian because I'm a thinky kind of person, and it's not fun to like be looking through spells and can I cast this and what armor am I wearing? I just wanted to kick doors down. Yes, yeah, I yes. just wanted to like I'm gonna I'm gonna attack. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna break. I mean, it was very freeing to do that. And I think that perspective shifting is so important and I think interesting mechanism to look at. And then Brian, to your point, this idea of metaphor. You know, there's a really powerful story that we that we pass around at Hero Journey Club, where we had a journeyer in a D&D group. They were fighting a monster, and this individual just said, "I'm so tired of fighting." You know, and the whole group would just like pause, and of course, the uh. journey it's like. 
this is a moment, you know, this yes. is a moment. Where is that coming from? And the, the game was such a metaphor for how he was feeling at home with parents who were struggling to accept his identity. They were fighting about it all the time. And it was just a watershed moment. And how often have we had that happen, you know, in our gaming as well? It's so powerful. I love that for the for that reason, but also from a storytelling story arc perspective. That's so great. Yeah. The moment that you hit this wall with something where you're like, oh, I'm a barbarian and I'm I'm gonna lay my axe down. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say? That's incredible. Yeah, powerful stuff. And and hopefully that you know, there are more mechanisms and opportunities to learn exactly how this works with with the purpose not just being to you know academically know what's going on but hopefully to to tell stories and to structure gaming experiences that will be even more effective and more helpful for people yeah i would like to donate aaron to science so if you want to like hook nodes up to his head while he's a game master or something i'm okay with that i have an informed consent form i'll send it (laughs) sounds great Oh, I want like a colander on his head with like lots of wires coming out of it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, we're excited to see, you know, what you have coming in the, uh, you know, down the pipeline and also about, you know, hopefully getting some people engaged with you. This, this is really great. We really appreciate what you're doing. It's, it's always important to find people who are really to get out there and, and make improvements in the mental health space in our society. Yeah. yeah. And gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated it. And this has been an incredible chat. And the thing that's just resonating with me is what if my pain is a reasonable response? Like that actually just like was a gut punch when you said it. And it's, I'm definitely something that's going to sit with me for a while. So thank you for, you know, taking your, your time with us today. Amazing. And thank you both again so much for having us on and, and doing the amazing work you do at creating community and connection and, and joy and, uh, and giving our community a voice uh, as well. And the work that we're doing. So deeply appreciate all of you as well. Thank you so much. And Thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Uh, And as always, please check us out on our Instagram or at our website, infernalschoolhouse.com. Oh, and we sell stuff on Etsy, too. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 